0: Before we begin, I've got some big news. I have just written my first book, Happy Not Perfect, Upgrade Your Mind, Challenge Your Thoughts and Free Yourself from Anxiety. The book will teach you my easy flex method for more flexible thoughts that will help change your thinking to transform your life. You'll read about my own journey from stress, low self-esteem and negativity and how I was able to turn it around by learning how my mind worked from world leading experts like my podcast guests and understanding what would help my mind work better for me. If you've enjoyed my show, please pre-order the book in the link in the show notes. I can't wait for you to read it and start practicing a flexible mindset.
2: A lot of the sex that actually happens is not with the objective to have babies, but it's to have pleasure together. And because the way that society has represented sex in a very heteronormative way, penetration-centric way, performance-based way, That has been sex education, like sex education has been either how do you prevent unwanted pregnancy, how do you have babies if you want to, and how do you not catch STDs when you engage sexually with someone, but it doesn't cover how do you actually make it the wonderful human experience it can be.
0: Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect podcast. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. And this show is about upgrading our mind, our energy, and our understanding of how we can live life to our fullest potential. Over the next few weeks, I'm interviewing thought leaders, scientists, nutritionists, and experts to share tips and tricks for how we can shed the old and step into the new. I hope you join me on the journey. Welcome to a very special episode on the science behind pleasure and all things sexual wellness. If you are someone that feels a bit sensitive around this topic, please keep listening because my guest speaks about this extremely important area of our health in such a research data-driven way. It's fascinating to hear how an area of the wellness industry can be so misunderstood. My guest is the brilliant Cecile Gusnault who has been working in the sexual wellness industry since 2016 and is a director for SmileMakers. Makers. Makers is a sexual wellness brand dedicated to the pleasure of people with vulvas. It was created nearly 10 years ago with the ambition to bring female sexuality out in the open and pleasure products to the shelves of mainstream retail. It's the only brand in this category that has never sold in sex shops and it has partnered with retailers like Cult Beauty, Goop, Phil Unique and more. Cecile is a leading global speaker about female sexuality and the importance of vulvas. She launched a whole pleasure positive sex education program called Vulva Talks for free in response to the many questions she would receive and to bust some of the damaging myths around the subject. She is a woman on a mission to change our understanding of how we view our sexual pleasure and it is a total delight to have her on the show. Just before we dive in, Cecile has kindly offered Not Perfect listeners a 15% discount on all orders. Please see the show notes for details or head to smilemakerscollection.com online. Cecile, what is a favourite quote you like to return to often and why?
2: Good things take time. I've found it to be true in my personal and professional life that sometimes it's really about taking that next step and really having grit. And then over time, you can, things make sense uh, and you build up something
0: that in the end looks pretty awesome. It's such a nice point you just raised, like things take time, because I often do think we live in a world that suggests the opposite, that everything should just happen immediately.
2: Yeah, and I think that's what makes it feel so frustrating when it doesn't. But I do feel that good things will will take time to unfold That something that is beautiful.
0: What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently?
2: I would say to get out of one's own head and I, to do that in two ways because I read a quote recently and I was like, oh, that, that makes so much sense. It was like, I think, don't trust everything you think. And I found it quite interesting and I think... We tend to distrust our gut feel sometimes. We want to be very much in our head and, and analyzing stuff. Uh, so to get out of your head, it can be trusting more your gut feel and also open yourself up to learning from people who are different and can show you new and different ways to look at things and to do things differently than your own ways so that if you are expecting new results, then you should be trying new ways of doing things. and. If you're always in your own head, with your own thoughts and your own uh, patterns, you might find it at some point a bit uh, narrow. And I think 2020 and the beginning of, like since the pandemic, we've been obviously on a physical lockdown. And I feel that sometimes it's also kind of a mental lockdown.
0: Really powerful. The power of being open-minded. Yeah, really. Thank you for that life lesson. And then, how do you define happiness? Alignment.
2: Very clearly alignment between what you feel, your thoughts, your words and your action. Whenever Mm -hmm. I feel a line between those three things, I really feel things flowing so much more effortlessly and naturally and I'm much happier.
0: So I've been really looking forward to discussing sexual wellness with you because as a topic it is so largely under discussed and We've had a few messages reaching out saying, you know, can you cover sexual wellness more on this podcast? And so I knew I had this one in the diary. So um, I just want to start off really simply. Why is sexual wellness and pleasure important for health in general?
2: I think sexual well-being really came into the spotlight with the COVID lockdown because sales increased and that got the attention of media and more people talked about it. But I think it's worth understanding why, and it goes well beyond the context of of the pandemic. We take care of our physical health, now we're taking more care of our mental health, and that's new and that's great. And sexual well-being just naturally falls into all that. Uh, The way we care about what we eat, uh, the way we work out, how we sleep, if we do things like meditation or journaling or therapy to take care of our mental health, we also take care of our sexual well-being. And it's new that it has become a more conscious decision and a more educated decision as well with more options. But the fact is that our sexual well-being impacts, like scientifically it's been very well documented, it impacts our physical and our mental well-being. That being by how we express ourselves sexually with our partners or how we interact with people sexually that has that is a self-expression uh, a way of self-expression the same way that I don't know we create art or that we work or that we interact with other people it is just another field of uh, self-expression so that's more on the mental health or more like the personal expression side And on the physical side, what happens to our body when we experience sexual pleasure, it has an impact on our physical well-being as well because of the um, hormonal reactions that come into play during sexual pleasure. Our body is going to release a cocktail of hormones that have beneficial impact, not only on our mood because you have like uh, hormones like endorphins and oxytocin, which we know have an impact on our mood, but it's also going to have an impact on pain relief and uh, better immunity and uh, our threshold to pain. Uh, It's going to be a way to release stress uh, and to counteract the effects of cortisol, which we know is a stress hormone, which is a good hormone when it's used reasonably by the body and in a way that is adjusted well adjusted to the context but we know that in our societies we tend to stress often and a lot in a way that is not always well adjusted to what is actually happening and so we tend to produce a lot of cortisol and that has an impact on our physical health because it's it's really uh, tiring for our, our body but when we experience sexual pleasure the cocktail of hormones that our body releases counteracts that and also helps the body relax, it helps us feel better.
0: It's amazing the benefits of sexual pleasure and yet for so many years and decades, it's been something that we've rather pushed under the carpet. We haven't even brought it into this conversation in mainstream media because of you know the, the connotations. What are the biggest misconceptions you've seen working at Smile Makers when it comes to female sexuality? The most asked questions we get
2: from our female audience is, I find it hard to get an orgasm with my partner. Is something wrong with me? Uh, And it often is in the context, most of the cases it is in the context of heterosexual uh, relationships. So in these questions, there are several layers. There is the misconception that sex is always with someone. Uh, So if, for example, you have orgasm, When you masturbate, but you do not have an orgasm with your partner, then you don't have an orgasm. No, sex is something that we can do solo. So masturbation is a form of sex and partner sex is another form of sex. Then there is this uh, misconception that sex is always about having an orgasm. So that it makes sex very performative. It makes Mm -hmm. it about a result, which is very stressful. It creates a lot of pressure for both uh, partners, uh, regardless of their gender. It makes the occurrence of an orgasm less likely because of that stress, that pressure that we put on ourselves. And it kind of disregards the question of pleasure and enjoyment and really being in the moment. Instead of being in the moment of what you are actually feeling now, you're going to be focused about when am I reaching an orgasm? So you're already thinking about what's going to happen Mm -hmm. in 15 minutes. Then there is this older misconception really in the context of uh, heterosexual sex uh, between someone with a vulva and someone with a penis and that sex is about penetration. We've run a study in the UK and in six other markets at the end of 2020. And in the UK, 84% of women cannot orgasm from penetrative sex alone and they need external stimulation. So this idea that sex is about penetration Obviously, it comes from how sex plays a role in the reproduction of the species, and that you do need uh, penetration. But then, sex has been represented in media, in movies, in series, as very penetration centric. On screen, you will see women climaxing very easily from penetrative sex, but the reality is very different. And it leaves a lot of uh, women, people with vulvas, feeling inadequate and feeling that there is something wrong with them if they do not orgasm like that. And then I would say another misconception that we often ha- see is that uh, pleasure is only a matter of physical stimulation, and especially with vibrator, that they would be like, you put a vibrator somewhere and you should have an orgasm very instantly and No, the brain is our biggest sexual organ. It plays a very important role uh, in how we are going to experience pleasure. And it needs to be taken into account, like our thoughts matter during our sexual experiences. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about being present, like bringing your brain into the moment and stimulating it the same way that you would stimulate erogenous zones.
0: It is absolutely fascinating how something that is so natural to the human body, the human species, can be so misunderstood. Where do you think these misconceptions did come from in the first place?
2: Obviously, there's a big layer of social constructs, and a lot of it makes sense historically, again, because of the role of sex in reproduction for the species, like we did need people to have penetrative sex in order to have children and in order to reproduce. So historically, like there is this notion that sex has to lead to having babies and therefore has to be penetrative. And over time, there has been this growing stigma about talking about pleasure and therefore acknowledging the fact that a lot of the sex that actually happens is not meant for reproduction. A lot of most of the sex that they have is not with the objective to have babies, but it's to have pleasure together. And that's something we are not educated on. And because the way that society has represented sex in a very heteronormative way, penetration-centric way, performance-based way, that has been sex education. Like Sex education has been either... How do you prevent unwanted pregnancy? How do you have babies if you want to? And how do you not catch STDs when you engage sexually with someone? But it doesn't cover how do you actually make it the wonderful human experience it can be. So for that topic, we've turned to what we see in media and what we see in porn. And there it's uh, obviously often very offensive to people with vulvas. It's very performance based. I think it comes a lot from social construct and the way that sex education hasn't opened up, like the way it has been uh, conducted so far has not actually acknowledged the reality of uh, human sexuality, what it actually is uh, for people uh, who have different gender expressions, different sexual expressions, different ways of experiencing pleasure, uh, different preferences, and sex education has been very... Uh, I would say, narrow-minded in the representation of sex instead of saying, okay, there are different ways that people experience their sexualities. Some people are going to have very high sex drive. Some people are going to have lower sex drive. Uh, Your sexuality is going to change over time uh, because your body is going to go through hormonal changes. And you should be made aware of that the same way that you are educated about how your body functions you should also be educated about how your body is going to change over time and how it's going to impact your sexual well-being as
0: as well so you talk about the the hormonal changes and sexual desire i guess what is that relationship and what has been the most useful thing for you to learn about your hormonal changes and how this affects like your desire for sex i would say that the thing the most interesting thing i learned
2: when it comes to hormonal changes and uh, sex drive actually relates not to um, sexual hormones, but to s- the stress hormones and how cortisol can have uh, and stress can have a negative impact on our sex drive, basically because cortisol and um, progesterone, they kind of compete for the same molecules for their synthesis. So when you get very stressed, cortisol is going to kind of like win that battle and take more of that molecule. And there's going to be a bit less left for progesterone and hormones that play a role in your sex drive. And then when it comes to life moments, then it will be more about how hormonal changes that you go through during, for example, pregnancy and childbirth, they are going to impact not only your sex drive, but the sensations as well you might get more sensitive at first and then uh, feel sensation a bit differently. Uh, And during menopause, you have a lot of hormonal changes that are going to impact uh, the blood flow and the nerve uh, system in the genital area and around the pelvic area. And that is going to have an impact on the sensations that you have when you are being sexually stimulated. Uh, And for that, you can really work with physiotherapists to continue connecting with your body and understanding what is your sexual well-being going to look like from now, how you can like reinvent your sexuality with this body that is changing. It doesn't have to be like, okay, it has changed and now I'm just giving up on my sexual well-being. No, it's just that you're given a new set of cards, but you're going to have new sensations. It's worth exploring them and it's worth, worth like for you to get to know your body how it is now.
0: That is absolutely fascinating. So, on the surface, you could think when you're going through menopause, oh, my sex drive is going down. But actually, you're saying it's it's not declining. All it is is just changing. Yeah, there might be like impacts that it
2: might decline, but you might. There are women who are going to experience their best orgasms after menopause. So, having talked with um, physiotherapists who really specialize in pelvic floor therapy and who work a lot with women after childbirth or after during and after menopause and touches upon the topic of sexual well-being, their message was really like you can continue to explore your body, to explore your sexuality. It's just that your body has changed. You need to acknowledge that. And that means you need to re-explore yourself again and see how does it feel now? And it's going to feel different. It, It might be different in a very good way but you have to have that curious mindset to find out
0: that is really really good to know and i love this word curiosity when we are discussing sexual wellness i think that's a really really good word to always attach to this so to go back to your point on uh the vulva and different kind of i guess nerve sensitivity points and the g-spot i feel that Traditionally, we've always prioritized this G-spot. And in all honesty, I've got no idea where it is. (laughs) (laughs) And they say you have kind of eight different orgasms. What are the myths around the G-spot? And if you could teach us a bit about the different stimulation points, that would be fantastic. First
2: of all, I really dislike content that are like, those are the eight orgasms that you need to have. It's very normative and it leaves a lot of people feeling inadequate because they might be like, oh that doesn't work for me so there must be something wrong with me like those content about pleasure maps points type of orgasm we should really take them as suggestions of things to test but not definitive answers to what sexual pleasure should be like and what we know on the vulva pleasure anatomy is that the vulva is the external part of the female genitalia and it goes from the pubis, all the way to the vaginal entrance. And so it encompasses the clitoral glands um, and the clitoris and the clitoral glands, they have, it has uh, 8,000 nerve endings. So it's a very, very sensitive organ. That's two times as many nerve endings as the penis, by the way, so it's a very sensitive organ. it's really great that you take the example of the G-SPOT because I think it's such a perfect example of how there's been a lot of focus about that specific area and it's been named a G-spot. And I think even the person who named it this way kind of regretted it later because th- their point was like it's actually not a spot, it's more like an area. Uh, it's an internal area in the vagina where the vagina basically comes in contact with the internal structure of the clitoris. So and it has this wishbone shape. So you have the glands that's like is outside on the vulva. And then inside, it has this wishbone shape that wraps around the vagina. So basically, when uh, someone with a vulva gets aroused sexually, their clitoris is going to become erect, get engorged with blood, and the internal structure is going to swell up, and it's going to like push against the vagina wall. And between the clitoris and the vagina wall, there's also this region around the urethra that comes in between, And there's a spongy body of tissue called the urethral sponge. And in the urethral sponge, you have glands that are called the skin glands that can ejaculate a fluid. And that's what we call female ejaculation. So it's a very sensitive zone as well.
0: So I did think it was amazing. Before you joined Smile Makers, you had never owned a vibrator. Wasn't something that was part of your life. But obviously, you've become one of the most passionate advocates for vibrators um, in an industry you're quite new to. Yeah, there was really a, I did not picture myself, I was
2: working for a vibrator company when I graduated from business schools over 10 years ago. <laughs> but really what drew me into this adventure was the, the mission of the brand. So um, the way it was presented to me and the way it really is uh, on a daily basis is how do we normalize a conversation around female pleasure? and it was really encapsulated in two things. First, we want to bring vibrators to mainstream retail, like the message that the founders gave me, like we only want to sell in shops where every person with a all that feel comfortable shopping, beauty store, fashion store, department stores, pharmacies. But to break with this idea that you have to go into a sex shop to buy those items because it is stigmatizing. It is not validating as something normal, for you to walk into a sex shop to buy a vibrator, for you to have to walk into a sex mm-hmm. shop to buy a vibrator. Everything we do, we need to be comfortable showing our mother. That is really our litmus test. We want to normalize that conversation, and we want to do it in a way that everybody can relate to. And I found that very, very powerful. I always wonder what, why the conversation around sex was so, you know, hush-hushed and embarrassed and when people would talk about it, either they, they would not talk about it or they would do it often in a very standardized way or joking about it, being very uncomfortable about it. And I really like this fresh, drama-less approach to sexuality.
0: And so you've obviously worked really hard in creating this education course. How does it impact women's sexual well-being to have access to better sex ed? What are the results you've seen? Access to pleasure positive sex education is still
2: very limited. Like In the UK, 78% of women did not have access to pleasure positive sex education, so The intention here was really like, how do we change those numbers? It's too soon yet to see the the numbers changing, but I really hope that in a few years, that number will have gone down. So women who do have access to pleasure-positive sex education are more likely to say they know their body well, sexually. They are also 20% more likely to say that their partner knows their body better. So they are more likely to communicate their pleasure preferences to their partner. They understand better the role of clitoral stimulation in their pleasure. And interestingly, we've also found like when we ask questions more about uh, how they had experienced the COVID lockdown, we also found that women who have had access to pleasure positive sex education had been much more likely to have turned those lockdowns into positive moments in their sex life to experiment or like to explore themselves or test new things with their partner. So there's really this notion that women who have had access to pleasure-positive sex education, they're basically able to write their own scripts and to explore their pleasure and to really own their pleasure.
0: That is really interesting about turning COVID lockdown into an opportunity to try out new things. That definitely makes a lot of sense. And I wish I'd have had you on the podcast a year ago because I think that would have been yeah. really helpful. Um, so where do you think this industry is going and how do you think it's going to grow in the future?
2: I think the industry now is at a point where it's going after new a new retail playing field. Like for the longest time, it has really been kept within sex shops, online or offline. And it was quite cliche, the way it was executed, like red, pink products, looking a bit pony. And what we've seen in the recent years is that a lot more creativity in terms of product design, a lot more education on uh, the way the products are designed for different anatomies, and I would say bolder distribution strategy that are really about how do we bring that category to mainstream retail to amplify that conversation and also to change that conversation. And I think that now what's happening is that that conversation is gaining momentum. And what is needed is to broaden what that conversation is about. Because as we've mentioned when we were talking about sex education, the script that we've been given when it comes to our sexuality has been extremely standardized. Like sex is this, that, that, you do it this way, this way, you do those actions in that order and that's your sex script and you go and have sex this way. It leaves so many people feeling uh, unhappy in their sex life, inadequate, feeling that there's something wrong with them or just not relating at all to that script. I feel that where the industry is, uh, needs to grow now and is starting to grow as well, is how do we become more um, inclusive in the sense that, how do we actually cater for more different types of uh, life moments, sexual expressions, gender expressions, uh, anatomies, pleasure preferences? How do we give a more authentic and realistic understanding of human sexuality? So I think the industry is growing in that direction in the sense, how do we have that conversation? How do we acknowledge the realities of uh, human sexuality? And then as an industry that creates product and services, how do we create product and services to cater to those different realities, to those different preferences and identities?
0: How do you think language needs to change around sex?
2: massively and I think language I think language is probably the one thing where we have been the most challenged and we are learning on an ongoing basis as a sexual wellness brand so the logic for naming our products is to use real fantasies that we actually crowdsource from people with vulvas all around the world and the idea is to break the ice but also to make it really relatable and fun there was the tennis coach there was the millionaire the fireman, and the Frenchman. And obviously, those two last names, they are very gendered. They are male names. And over time, we're like, that's actually wrong to have those names so gendered because it's not the reality of female fantasy. You have a lot of uh, people with vulvas who are going to fantasize about other people with vulvas, people who define themselves as women or people who define themselves as men. Just in our naming convention, we need to do better. And that's why recently when we relaunched that original collection, we didn't move to a fully uh, gender neutral name. We also trying to move more and more to talk on an anatomy-based language when we talk about sex education. So referring to people with vulvas, because we create products that are really meant to stimulate specific spots on the vulva or on the vagina. And that can be for people who define themselves as women or as men or as non-binary language basically has to evolve on an ongoing basis. And I think language is also a very powerful uh, tool we have when it comes to destigmatizing that uh, category because there's been so much shame built into the collective psyche when it comes to sex and when it comes to our genitals, and especially the vulva. We don't talk about the vulva. Most of us confuse the vulva and the vagina. We're going to call the vulva the vagina. That's not our fault. That's just because we have just not been properly educated on how to call our body parts in our genitals, which I still find very shocking. But language here has the power to make our body, our sensation, our sexuality, familiar, approachable. It removes shame because shame disappears when you name things. And it Mm. really takes the drama out of sex and to say no that's just another area of our lives the same way again than what we eat how we work out how we sleep and we use we use names for those parts of our lives that are I would say normal either they're scientific or they're familiar names but when it comes to sex language is always a very complicated topic.
0: So I'd love to hear about your products What would you say is the best seller in terms of it's the product that everyone just seems to love and what was that designing process or product formulation process like? Actually, on the best seller,
2: it's a very interesting story because up until the summer of 2017 on our website, we had our product pages with our products and we didn't have very specific guidance about how to choose a vibrator for yourself and at the time our best sellers there were penetrative products so it was the tennis coach which is a g-spot vibrator and at the time the millionaire uh, which is like a very classic shape vibrator uh, that is meant for vagina stimulation it can be used on the vulva as well but it's clearly a penetrative product and then in the summer of 2017 we put on a quiz on our website that basically is going to ask you If you masturbate, how do you prefer to masturbate? What do you prefer when you are with your partner? What type of stimulation do you enjoy the most? What are you looking for? And we based our recommendation on those answers to say, okay, then we think the best pick among our collection is going to be this product or that product. And after we implemented that quiz, we saw our external product sales rise and actually beat internal product sales. And the best seller became the fireman, which is now the firefighter. So, it's a vibrator that is shaped like a flame and that stimulates the clitoral glands uh, on the vulva and the labia around. So, it basically provides a broad stimulation on and around the clitoris. And that's because that's a
0: very popular pleasure technique for people with vulvas. That is so interesting how education completely changed people's purchasing habits and lastly because this is one of the questions that we got emailed in what is actually happening during an orgasm is it basically nerve stimulation that's it so an orgasm very scientifically our body goes
2: through a whole response cycle during uh sex and it's it's really called the sexual response cycle and it has been documented by dr master and johnson so the masters of sex that you have on netflix and basically it starts with excitement which is really like arousal when our body starts to react to um, stimuli which can be physical and mental and that are going to basically awake us sexually and that's going to make our heart beat faster pupil dilates uh, we're breathing faster and more intense uh, with more intensity that's excitement then there's this phase called plateau where basically pleasure and excitement is building up like it's really like accumulating and then comes orgasm which is really the most climatic phase of the sexual response cycle and it's also the shortest muscles throughout our body including the vaginal muscle involuntarily contract like and there's really this release of endorphin and this release of energy that happens it can feel like an explosion of sensation but it can also feel like much more time it really depends like it's not always like in the movies and it's like there is these, all those muscle contractions that are at play and that can vary in intensity. And then after the orgasm, our body goes through something called resolution, which is when it returns to its normal state uh, as when before we were aroused. And it will happen uh, regardless of not we've had an orgasm because it can happen after plateau if we don't have an
0: orgasm. It's basically back to normal. Cecile, this has just been so educational and also liberating uh, a subject that for so long has been put behind closed doors. And you speak so eloquently on the topic. So thank you so much for being such a informative guest today. And where can we find Smile Makers? I'm sure everybody listening here will definitely want the firefighter. Uh, So where can we find you to ask questions and where can we find Smile Makers?
2: So Smilemakers, Makers, you can find us on our website, SmileMakersCollection.com. And I would invite you to follow us on Instagram because basically every day we're going to share some tips or some educational uh, facts. And that's at Smile Collection. And if I can just add like one final note, like really the whole message that we have with the sex education program and even the vibrators, but the whole message of the, the brand that I want to convey is have that curiosity to write your own sex scripts. Don't take the one you've been given for granted. If you really want to like unlock fully your pleasure potential, take the time to explore and write your own own script for that.
0: What a great note to finish on. Write your own sex narrative. That is brilliant. Well, much easier to do it when we have the education to do it. Uh, So I will put those links in the show notes. And do you you ship worldwide? We do, except in countries where vibrators are illegal.
2: Um, There are still some of them, but otherwise we ship worldwide. Which
0: countries are uh, is this still illegal?
2: Uh, I don't have the whole list in my head, but for example, I know like in uh, in Dubai, or we have many people from the United Arab Arab Emirates contacting us. Like, do you ship in Doha? Do you ship in Dubai? And we're like, no, it's not going to go through. So we don't. Not yet, yeah. anyway. Not Hopefully yet. soon
0: not we can free the vote. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Seal. This is brilliant. My pleasure, Pauline thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss download happy not perfect my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes it's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs sending lots of love and energy see you next time